Some men I know that put themselves first, huh? <laughs> I don't care what little you have, I want mine. And it sounds selfish, but he's testing her obedience, and she did it. James chapter 5, if you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1310. We'll be reading verses 13 through the end of the chapter. So why don't you stand with me, please? James chapter 5. And verse number 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And he illustrates that by saying, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Heavenly Father, we are in your word this morning. You have gifted that to us. It shows your heart. It tells us what you are thinking. And I pray that this morning we would sense your heart, that our prayer life would reflect your words, that we would be men like Elijah, that we would be women like Elijah, that we would have a heart for the things of you, and it would be reflected in our prayer life. Help us to learn more of you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So... To recap, you'd have to go back and listen to the messages again, and I apologize, but if you remember, if you were here, I gave you the illustration of me being in the hot tub with Juanita, okay? And I'll, I'll recap that in a little bit, but the, the fact is that if, if you look at your Bible, the, in the book of James, chapter 4, just go back one page, in your Bible, in James chapter 4, in verse 4, James says, this is, this is tough preaching right here. Listen to this. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. James says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, he was not referring to them actually sleeping around, if you will, to use the terminology of the day. What he was referring to was the worldliness in the church that so many Christians were so spending so much time with the world, they were literally having an affair with the world and were not following the things of the Lord. And in James chapter 4, he nails them on that. And then... And verse number 5, if you go on in that text, it says um, that do you think the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? In other words, he said, you really think that the spirit in you is going to give, God's going to give you the things that you are looking for when you are not following the things of the Lord. And so 
there is a warning for you and I as Christians. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Love not the world. And I'll tell you, you and I, we are, if you will, immersed in the world. We can't avoid it. If you turn on the TV, if you go down the road, Maine doesn't have any billboards, but if you walk through the, it used to be, nowadays it's all self-checkout at the grocery store, but the days that you stood in the checkout line and you're waiting for your turn, and what do they got, a pile of magazines up there, you are constantly being programmed and immersed with the thoughts of the world. And you know what? Some of it looks pretty good. Well, some of us get enticed by those things, and we spend time around those things, and it is a dangerous place to be for the Christian. We are in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. And it affects our prayer life. You are constantly being programmed by the environment that you spend your time in. The way we dress, talk, work, or don't work, the TV shows, the radio, the music we listen to, who we choose to be with, etc. All of those things show where our priorities are. Isn't that true? Okay? You follow me on this. Don't, I can't lose you on this. This is very important. I may not be able to see what you do in private, and I'd like to say I don't care to see what you do in private. But God sees. And He will treat you accordingly when it comes to conversations with Him. Now, Spurgeon said preaching without illustration is soon forgotten. And I love giving illustrations, and I love making you laugh and telling stories. And people will come up to me afterwards and say, Stan, I love that story about X. And I say, that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Why did I tell you the story? And usually you don't know. And, and, and that's not my point with Juanita in the hot tub. I'll revisit that. Because preaching without illustration is soon forgotten. We all know about Juan Eater in this church. She's my female name that I always use. We get it from the old Andy Griffith show, Barney talking on the phone to the Juanita. Juanita didn't exist. She only lived on the phone. But anyway, we never saw Juanita. But Barney Fife is one of the great all-time actors that ever lived. Okay, Now, that was quality TV back then. And I'm showing my age. And, and listen, you parents that are trying to raise your kids on good TV, go get yourself some old Andy Griffith shows. and that'll, That's not bad stuff. Okay, but anyway, I digress. So, he's talking to Juanita. So, Emily comes home, and I'm in the hot tub with Juanita. It doesn't look good, but I can say it doesn't, it's not what it looks like. Well, you know what? Usually sin is exactly what it looks like, okay? And so she comes in, my wife comes in, and I'm having a good time with Juanita, and I say, honey, could you make us some sandwiches, pray tell? Do you think she's going to want to do anything for me at that point? It's ridiculous. We laugh about it. But on the same token, when you and I leave church on Sunday morning and we go set our radio dial to something that is godless and we listen to it through the whole week and we don't think a thing about the things of the Lord and then we call up the Lord in prayer and say, hey Lord, this is what I need from you. Do you think he cares any more for that than Emily does about me and Juanita? He does not. And we wonder why our prayers are not answered. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible is clear that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be divided. 
James chapter 5 in your text this morning is a very interesting text, obviously. And uh, James gives an illustration of a man that got his prayers answered. His name was Elijah. He says in verse 16, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous man, say that with me, a righteous man availeth much. And then he goes on and he talks about Elijah in verse number 17. Elias, in your King James Version, Elijah, was a man subject in like passions as we are. In another version it says, and the, the quotation is, Elijah was a man just like us. However, he prayed and stopped the rain. And three and a half years it didn't rain, and he prayed and it did rain. So just to remind ourselves about the story of Elijah, let's go to it in 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll do a little Bible study here. 1 Kings chapter 17, and if you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 411. And Elijah the Tishbite, in verse 1, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Abraham, Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So he looks at King Ahab, who was a wicked king. And he says, Ahab, I'm going to tell you how things are going to be. It's not going to rain again until I say so. And he walks off. Well, I'm sure Ahab's thinking, who is this guy? You know, in 1 Kings 17, it's the first time we see Elijah mentioned. He just all of a sudden appears on the scene. Voila. Ahab may be thinking, I don't know who this bozo is. And I'm not going to be too concerned about some hot-eared preacher telling me how things are going to be. And Ahab probably didn't think much of him. Until it didn't rain, and it didn't rain, and it didn't rain, and it didn't rain. And God commanded Elijah to go down by a brook, and he says, and I'm going to feed you. And so the ravens brought him food. So he dwells by a brook, and the ravens feed him until the brook dries up. He goes to Zarephath, and a widow sustains him there. And the miracles that take place in his life, let's just very quickly in 1 Kings 17. So there is an interesting part that takes place in Elijah's life. He obviously lives by a brook. He lives with a widow who has nothing. Then he, after it is over, he goes and he has a confrontation with the prophets of Baal. He calls down fire from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, kills all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel threatens him and he runs away. James mentions the prayer for rain, but there is any number of miracles done through this man in answer to prayer, and yet James talks about Elijah was a man just like us. So in 1 Kings 17, he's living by a brook, and he's sustained by ravens. In verse number 7, after a while the brook dried up, and he goes to Zarephath, and he dwells there with a woman. A widow woman there, in verse 17. She has nothing. She's getting ready to cook her last fire and eat it. Start her last fire. Cook what little meal they have with her and her son, and then they're going to starve to death. Now, that doesn't sound like a place of God's provision. But he, she says, he says to her, in verse number 10 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel. 
And then he says in verse number 11, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she tells him her story. And in verse 13, he says, Okay, but make me thereof a little cake first. He looks at her and says, I don't care how little you have, feed me first. Sounds like some men I know that put themselves first on. I don't care what little you have, I want mine. And it sounds selfish, but he's testing her obedience, and she did it. And God sustained them, and the barrel of meal never ran out. Every time she reached into the flour barrel, I grew up in a home where my mom had this tin that had flour in it. And you would take a corner out of the cupboard, out of the corner shelf in the kitchen, an old farmhouse, and down in there was this metal bin that had the flour in it, and you'd reach in and you'd grab some flour out, and then you'd make the pancakes or whatever it was. And I can still see that today. I can see the tin, and Mom reaching in there. Well, that little woman, every day, would reach in there, and she would just run her cup around the bottom of the bin where there wasn't anything where yesterday she got the last amount that was in there, and today she did the same thing again, and out came a another scoop of flour and every day that bin still had flour in it because God provided over and over through Elijah's prayers unbelievable factual story so here we are and I want you to see why Elijah was the man that he was let's look at the three things that he did number one he was a man of obedience He was in his place. He went where God told him to go. For instance, he was obedient to God's word. In verse Kings 17, if you're still there, in verse 2, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence. In verse number 5, he said, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. In verse number 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Dwell there. Now, I know that a lot of times a particular word in the passage doesn't catch you, but think of this. God said to Elijah, Go live by the brook, and there I will sustain thee. When the brook dried up, he said, Go to the widow woman, and there I will feed thee. The key to being in the place of God's blessing is to be where God tells you to be. Does that make sense? If Elijah had decided, no, Lord, I know you want me to go there, but I think there's more water over here, it wouldn't have worked over there. You've got to be where God wants you to be. Now, I know I'm going where angels fear to tread here this morning, but I'll tell you something. I believe that on Sunday morning, is the place where you should be is in God's house. He said, you should meet with me there. And when we choose not to be in God's house on Sunday morning, regardless of how noble the mission may be somewhere else, there's a chance that God was going to meet with you on that Sunday morning and you decided you had a better plan, and I'm telling you that's a bad choice. You need to be in that place that God tells you to be. Now, I don't know where you're supposed to be through the week. Only you know that. But I do know that on Sunday morning is the Lord's Day, and He said not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. 
And it's real easy to look around and say, well, not everybody goes to church. And not everybody that's in church is a Christian. And so, you know, I don't know. that I understand it's the manner of some people not to go to church. But I'm telling you, if you want to be in the place of God's blessing, I suggest to you, you do what you know to do that God has said. And Elijah did that. And he was a man that was able to call down fire from heaven through his prayers. He had an intimate relationship. Not only was he obedient to God's word, he was obedient with God's word. Look at verse number 14 of chapter 17. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He was speaking God's, for thus saith not Elijah, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Thus saith the Lord. He had an intimate relationship with God that, to the point that he knew what God wanted him to say as his spokesman. The proof is in the testimony. Going back to verse number 24, 1 Kings 17, listen to this. And the woman said to Elijah, after he has raised her son from the dead, the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth. You know what? The proof is in the pudding. Listen to me. If you're going to run around quote God's word and live in a different way, you are killing the message of Christ. I've said it before, and it sounds mean, meanful, mean and hurtful, or whatever, however I'm supposed to say it, but listen to me. If you're not going to follow the Lord and be obedient to Him and live a consistent Christian life, then for heaven's sake, don't tell anybody you're a Christian. You're killing us. You're killing us. The hypocrisy in some Christians of doing one thing and then doing, saying one thing and then doing something else is one of the great weapons that Satan uses when we're trying to be a witness and someone says, well, I heard so-and-so goes to your church. Ouch. You know what? So-and-so does go to our church. Come to find out, so-and-so isn't exactly what he looks like on Sunday morning through the week. Now, I know this isn't, this isn't you know, Pastor, you're starting to meddle now. You surely shouldn't go there. I'm telling you that people are wondering whether we're real or not, whether what we say we believe or not. And I'm wondering if Christians really truly believe what they say they believe because the way they live and what they say doesn't always add up. Now, isn't that true? I don't know. Elijah talked the talk, and he walked the walk. And when it came to his prayer life, God honored that. Jesus said, if you abide me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. The key is a lot of our prayers that we're praying are not God's words. They're our own words, our own thoughts. And James addresses that. So quickly, we need to move along. Obviously, he was a man of obedience. He was obedient to God's word, and he was obedient with God's word. He was also, he was in the right place. He was also a man of priority. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath. So he did the things. 
He put God first in what he was doing. He told that woman to put God first in the choices that she made. I know you don't have enough, but give it to me first. Here's something else that's dangerous, and you don't hear too many people talk about when it comes to prayer, but you know what? If you're not tithing, if you're not faithful with what you have that God is asking of you, then don't expect to get your prayers answered. Ooh, that's painful, isn't it? Why is it that God would want to honor you with more blessings when what He has blessed you with already, you don't honor Him with? Ponder that. I know these are tough things, but you know what? It would seem like if Christians got their prayers answered, you and I would have more power in our testimony for the Lord. So not only did he, he was in the right place, he had his priorities right. James 1.8 says, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James 4.8 says, draw an eye to God and he'll draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See, you can decide that you're going to live for yourself or you can decide that you can live for the Lord and that choice needs to be made one way or another. You can't have it both ways. Paul said, this one thing I do, I think James could say this one thing I think. Concentrating on the things of the Lord. Draw an eye to God and He'll draw an eye to you. Not only he was in the right place, he had his priorities right, and lastly, he was a man of persistence. Now, Elijah went through all of that. Then he confronts the prophets of Baal. He has that victory. And then he says to his servant, I believe it's going to rain. And look at this in verse, uh, chapter 18 and verse 42. We're going to close with this. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. Verse 44, And it came to pass that the seventh time he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and the wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So what's happened here is that Elijah said it's going to rain. And so he gets down on his knees and the Bible says he puts his head right down to the ground. I'd try that but I don't think I could get up. Okay, so he, well, let's see, she says, yeah, yeah, you're funny. So he gets down on the ground and he prays one time and he says to his servant, go see if anything's happened. Nothing. He comes back. He prays again. Seven times he sends the boy to look. Finally, on the seventh time, he sees just a little cloud the size of a man's hand. In other words, practically nothing, but there's something. And Elijah knew that's the beginning of something big. Question. When you go to the Lord, how many times are you willing to ask? 
If you've got something you really want from him, and we ask one time in prayer and nothing happens, well, I guess the Lord didn't want that. You know, I think a lot of times, I know when I was growing up as a kid, my dad would, I'd ask something from my dad, and my dad was wondering how bad I really wanted it. So he wouldn't say anything. He'd just wait and see if I'd ask again. And then see if I was willing to work for it or do anything for it or how much it cost and all the equation that comes in that parents do. But they want to see if you really want it or not. And I think a lot of times in our prayer life, we just throw up these little, hey, Lord, you know, I think, why don't we love, oh, it'd be nice if we had this. And, and then it never comes up again. And I think the Lord's saying, I, I guess he wasn't all that serious about that. You got a loved one that you'd like to see come to the Lord? How many times have you asked the Lord for that loved one? I know there's a free will. I know all of that stuff. But I'll tell you what, I believe that if we were willing to grab a hold of the throne of heaven and say, Lord, I really want this, and I'm going to prove it to you because I'm going to annoy the daylights out of you on this. I wonder what would happen. Elijah, seven times. I bet that old servant boy's thinking, really? Really? Again? There was nothing there. Finally, I'm thinking the servant boy comes back, yeah, there's something there about the size of a hand. whoop but he do But Elijah knew. So here we are, and we're talking about prayer. And he said, James said, Elijah was a man just like us. Do you feel like Elijah this morning? I know I don't. The old question is asked is, where's the God of Elijah? And the answer is, where are the Elijahs of God? 